Welcome to Working Dog Wednesday, only on the Fueled by Joy Working Dog Podcast. As always, we are brought to you by Joy Dog Food. I'm your host, Josh Michaelis. Remember, for more information about Joy Dog Food and to find a Joy dealer near you, visit joydogfood.com. Now, on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Working Dog Wednesday here on the Fuel by Joy Working Dog Podcast. And as I've mentioned on Tree Dog Tuesday, we are just limping along. Yes, folks, I apologize. It is another repeat episode. But in light of the fact that we've not done anything for Beagle with Beagles for a while, uh, we're going to replay a Beagle episode. Mr. Sean Olinger uh, talking Beagles with myself uh, way back in episode nine. And uh, it was a good conversation. I had a lot of fun talking to Sean. Uh, yeah, we're getting the emails. We're getting the messages. Trust me. Mike Green will be back. Callie Simpson will be back. And Josh Michaelis will be back with all new episodes coming really quick. Like I've said, the first of the year, uh, it's going to start getting wild around here. So stay tuned and, and enjoy this. This is a really good episode. Uh, Sean talks a lot about beagles, and he knows a lot about beagles, and he was a fantastic guest, and I'm happy to bring it back. And I'm probably even going to leave Maggie the Mud in there uh, out of nostalgia reasons. I haven't heard that for quite a while. So, yeah, you know, stay tuned. Uh, I got a good one coming up here with Sean. with confidence fuel them with power fuel them with joy high performance 2618 made with the highest quality of ingredients with beef being the first our key ingredients omega-3 and 6 fatty acids glucosamine and chondroitin vitamin e and zinc will have your dog's coat looking healthier than ever healthier joints and a stronger immune system not only will your dog have more confidence in the field with our high performance, but you can rest assured that you are feeding your dog a top quality food, knowing that all of our products are 100% American made and our brand has gone over 75 years without any recalls. Fuel your dog with confidence. Fuel them with joy of high performance 2618. 
Call 800-245-4125 or visit our website, joydogfood.com, to find a dealer near you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fueled by Joy podcast. And today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Mr. Sean. Sean, how do you pronounce your last name? Olinger. Olinger. Okay. I didn't know if it was Olinger, Olinger, or what it was. Mr. Sean Olinger. And we are going to talk about some beagles. We've been doing the uh, coon dogs the last couple of weeks. We've had a couple episodes with English Shedders, and now we're going to go to the uh, mini hounds. So, Sean, uh, tell us about yourself, how you got started with the beagles, and uh, where you're at, all that good stuff. Uh, well, I grew up uh, in Coshocton, Shockton County, Ohio, for the most part. Yeah. As far as getting into beagles, it's kind of a – I guess I'd have to give a lot of the credit to – the guy that got me interested in it, my uncle. He's, I call him my uncle Troy, but he's really, he's my dad's cousin. So I guess mm-hmm. he's a cousin maybe, but that's not real important. Um, he had an old rabbit dog named Sinbad. And he was just, he was, he was a big hunter. He deer hunted, turkey hunted. If it was in the outdoors, he did it. I was, I was young. He's one of my first memories actually as a kid that, that I recall was him he shot a big doe mm-hmm. and uh, brought it to my grandparents' house. They had it hanging up and stuff. And he picked me up. We took a picture, and I just always looked up to the guy. And I always enjoyed listening to him tell stories about his his dog Sinbad. He did a lot of hunting with him, but my parents would never really let me get a dog. I think I was about fourteen or fourteen or fifteen before I finally convinced my mom to let me get a dog. I actually got my first beagle from the dog pound. She was probably an eight, 10 week old puppy, something like that. And I took her out and trained her. I used to take her out just about every evening after school to a berry patch there in West Lafayette. It's not there anymore, but at the time it it held a lot of rabbits and stuff. So I took her out and I got her, got her training, got her started. She was running rabbits. Um, One day when I was running back here, I ran into a guy named Don McVeigh from the McVeigh family. They're fairly popular common name and beagles and he had two dogs out there mm-hmm. and needless to say they were a lot better than mine um, <laughs> you're tell, you telling me that guy that with all that experience had better dogs than the one you trained out of the pound yeah hard to yeah. believe ain't it <laughs> yeah well i mean <laughs> Just, but I, I got back there and i heard dogs running so i, I yeah. kept mine on the beach i walked back there and Don introduced himself to me, and I was just I was just amazed that dogs could even run a rabbit that fast and that hard and push one the way they were yeah. pushing. And he was he was he was nice. Um, we got to talking, and he told me about field trials. And there was a beagle club, Coshocton County Beagle Club, just down the road from where I lived. And he handed me a business card mm-hmm. that had you know Coshocton County Beagle Club on the front, and it had all the hunt dates on the back. So I was I didn't even have a driver's license yet. I think I was fifteen. Now I I got my mom to drop me off on her way to work at this hunt and I had my dog, you know. Yeah. I didn't know anybody, but uh, Don came up, introduced himself and a guy named Todd Quarter. There was a lot of people that just kinda took me under their wing and showed me the ropes. I drew out with Todd Quarter. My dog had never been around other beagles, so she didn't want to pack. Yeah. But he complimented me anyhow, you know. She went out and jumped a rabbit and all that. But that just kind of led down that rabbit hole right there. Um, Don's brother, Dick McVeigh, he uh, he got to know me at that hunt, introduced himself to me, and he started picking me up after school, and I started 
started running dogs with him and it, it led from there i ended up getting another pup i named lucky which don't ever name a dog lucky because there's a long story <laughs> yeah. behind it yeah. it was not a lucky dog um <laughs> but i i you know i got him and that actually helped my first dog as well she started she kind of helped get him started and then she learned to pack up and run with other dogs mm-hmm. what uh and it, it kind of snowballed from there when you uh started hunting with did you are you sinbad was the first dog you hunted with no i never actually oh never did get to hunt with sinbad just hit, just no, got, i was still too young yeah but he I was the you. guy that sparked my interest i always looked up to him he, he was a great storyteller he yeah. always had a story for every hunt and he just you, you know as a kid you could get starstruck by oh somebody yeah definitely who, definitely yeah did you get were there any other types of of dog sports that you participated in when you was young because a lot of guys that are running beagles or cur dogs or coon dogs or something like that it seems like they got oh uh, they go through a bird hunting phase or they go through a, a coon a coon dog phase and or sometimes they do all that stuff you know i know guys with retrievers setters bird dogs and or coon dogs and bird dogs did you just just do the beagles or did you have other stuff that you did for fun no it's it's i've stuck with the beagles yeah. um I'm always interested. You know, I've gone coon hunting with a few of my friends. Yeah. Just pleasure hunting. Um, I do know guys who do competition coon hunting. I listen to their stories and mm-hmm. things. But for me, I kind of found out pretty quick that if you want to be good at one thing, you just got to kind of stick with it. And right. Beagles, they consume enough time. I really don't have time for anything else as far as other dogs go. But I'm always interested in it. You know, I know a guy that trains uh security dogs and he mm-hmm. convinced me to put on a bite sleeve one time and take a bite from a 45 pound uh malinois puppy yeah. to completely take my butt <laughs> you yeah. know yeah those are cool so, dogs yeah it really is that stuff i'm always fascinated about that kind of stuff but for me it's been mostly just beagles so so you went to that first field trial what was the name of your uh the one you got from the pound uh i named her blue she was yeah. a tricolor dog she wasn't a blue tick beagle but yeah, she, she was... got the name blue yeah. yeah. Did uh, did you see a big difference when you first started taking her to the trials between her and the, you, of course you said she didn't pack up, so that was going to be the main difference. But I mean, could you tell once you hit a competition level, a certain competition level, these dogs are are different? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, my second pup, Lucky, I'd gotten him from Dick, and he was he was Northern Michigan hairbred dog, yeah. so he was a lot faster, you know, a lot more just more endurance, just a better bred more athletic kind of dog uh it did and he helped her more so than the older dog helped him mm-hmm. you know he kind of kind of pushed her more so even though he was the younger dog just just the breeding and the genetics of the dog yeah really kind of made her pick her pace up a little bit so. yeah how long ago was that when you was 15 years old and walked into that field trial Oh, that was, I want to say that was 99 or 2000. Okay. It was, so it was 27 years ago, 22 years ago, somewhere around in there. 22, yeah, yeah, 23 pretty close. Ago. Yeah, I'm 38 now. Yeah. So, so you've was, been, you've been doing it pretty hard ever since? Uh, yeah. I mean, I spent some time. I did, uh, I did about eight years in the military. I did yeah. four years in duty army. I did four years full-time national guard. Yeah. So, but I always had dogs. I had good friends, you know, that would take my dogs for me when I was gone for a while and you know guys that guys that I always kind of stuck with that we all ran the same dog so they've always helped me out yeah. when they could now I've been around it a little bit um I, yeah. of course I've had beagles when I was younger uh we had 
some pretty good beagles up until I was 13 or 14. And then the uh, 16, 17, I think I had some beagles then too. But up until the, the coon hunting at night completely consumed me, you know, we ran beagles quite a bit during the day, but it was just for fun. It was when the, when the snow was on, you'd go out, you'd shoot some rabbits, you know, you'd turn them loose in the yard of an evening and you'd hear them running behind the house and stuff like that. We didn't get carried away with it. But uh, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit about, because, you know, I'm, I, I wonder about genetics and breeding and training and all that stuff. And I'm, from what I can gather, Sean, you do all that. I mean, you've bred, raised pups, trained pups from the beginning, competed with them and stuff like that. So I'm going to pick your brain a little bit here. Okay. But uh, you talked about uh, the northern uh, Michigan, the hare genetics and things like that and how they're bred. Is that... When you say that, you're going to have to explain that to me a little bit because I know people go up there and they they run them hares in the swamps or whatever up in Michigan. I know yeah. Alan Gingrich has invited me to come up there one time. Says it's a great a great time. I need to do it. But those are different bred dogs than say something in the south. Um. Well, there's some you know, yeah. For the most part, there it's a different kind of game. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I really I have a lot of respect for a lot of those guys up north. They just a hare, you know, it, it's a bigger type mm-hmm. of rabbit, and they'll run. For me, when I go up and run, I'm paranoid because yeah. it's it's a deer chase, basically. You know, it's if a dog takes a something in Ohio that runs like a hare, it's a deer. Right. So I'm all, I'm all, there's always that little sensation on the back of your mind, like, man, this isn't a rabbit. There's no <laughs> yeah. way. To, yeah. So like, so I'm not at ease until I actually see the hare come by, but. Uh, you know, those guys up there with the kind of game that they're running, the hair, it's, it's, you know, a lot of their, and I, I don't trial in the Northern Michigan hair circuit or, you know, the I Northeast. I never even knew there was a Northern Michigan hair circuit. <laughs> yeah. It sounds well, fun. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's a blast. It's a blast to go up and do it. Yeah. I'm envious of those guys that they have the ability to do what they do. Yeah. And they can test dogs in a way that we can't test dogs in Ohio. You know, it's more of an endurance. It's not just endurance, but endurance plays a big part into it. So there's dogs, in my opinion, they tend to have a little more endurance. I guess you could say they're built a little leggier a lot of times, a little bit more footy. So what, uh, what, what, uh, kennel clubs do you hunt in? You know, what kind, Um, what kind of competition hunts? I kind of try to hit them all. Yeah. I don't run a lot of AKC. I got a lot of buddies that run AKC. I do a lot of UKC, PKC, mm-hmm. and ARHA Little Pack. Okay, what's I've the what's some, the ARHA Little Pack? I don't think I've heard of that. Uh, that one that's actually probably the most popular format, and you know it's got the biggest following, usually the biggest turnouts for dogs. Yeah. What they do, they they score dogs on strikes, which is a dog opening up three times on a rabbit. Mm-hmm for a dog on a jump if they can determine which dog it was that actually physically jumped the rabbit mm-hmm. and then they score checks they'll score 15 15 seconds of no progress the dogs basically they they lost the you might have a dog barking but it's at the judge's discretion when the progress of the track is actually stopped they'll I go see. 15, if 15 seconds of no progress goes on then they'll award the dog that recovers the track at that point. That sounds like a difficult event to judge. Uh, yeah, well, you go out, you, the handlers will turn their dog loose. Once they turn the dogs loose, the judge, who actually follows the dogs, is basically in charge from that point. I see. So 
that's the hardest part I think is the judging. Um, from a handler perspective, it's really laid back, really, yeah, really fun hunt. It's not as competitive. I'm not going to say it's not as competitive, but it's more laid back than say a hound and hunter type format. You yeah, know? yeah. More more social, I guess, because you're not listening for your dog as much. You don't have to strike your dog or any of that. It's basically. Once you turn them loose, the judge is in charge. Really? So, that does sound fun yeah. if you're the handler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good time. I, you know, I, I like taking my kids to those hunts because they can walk the dog, turn them yeah. loose. It's a it's a good time for kids. Is there, like, does, does the same dog equate like to being successful in, say, AKC, UKC, PKC, and the little pack stuff? You know, is it take the same style of dog or does each you know individual hunt format or how they scored or anything like that do the kind of dogs vary uh, we could we could spend a whole hour just on that topic well we got um, time we got time <laughs> yeah no i me personally that's what i look for i look for a dog because here in central ohio we've got just about everything going on yeah. from akc to little pack ukc pkc there it's a busy area for right. beagle competition so Personally, I, I look for a dog that I can take to whichever hunt I feel like going to that weekend. I see. I, I believe a well-rounded dog, and a lot of people support this, a well-rounded dog can do well in just about any format you put it in. Mm-hmm. With that said, there are certain types of dogs that will favor one format or another. So, But I don't I don't tend to just focus on just one. I like I just like having, having the kind of dog that I can take out to either – any whatever's local that weekend if i want to go and feel like i got a pretty good shot so a good a good beagle's gonna win no matter you know it, yeah, it's, it's gonna the, get for it. the most part i see yeah so yep. what do you what do you got for dogs right now sean me um i've got my oldest dog wilbur he's he's four i think he'll be five in august he was given to me by frank miller mm-hmm. i got four young dogs one out of Meacham's Merle Haggard, which is a northern Michigan bred dog. Mm-hmm. He actually came out of northern Michigan. My buddy Brian Hartram had bought him as a pup, and I bought him off Brian after I did a pedigree for him and saw how he was bred. Yeah. Set up that dog. So he gave me a price, and I paid him for it. And then I've got three young dogs I'm working that are out of my stuff, crosses I made. Um, they're The youngest one is a year and a half, so I got dogs – anywhere from a year and a half to five right now, but most of them are in that year and a half to two and a half year old range. I've got some pups that are, I just, you know, they're not quite starting age yet, but I'm yeah. going to have my hand with them here pretty soon, working them and trying to keep my running dogs in shape as well. Yeah. Is that a litter that you raised the pups? Um, yeah, well, I just got one pup out of Wilbur's first litter yesterday. Right. Off of, and he, he brought a female that, I had bred previously. She's out of a litter about six years ago. So I just I just picked her up. I've got another pup coming out of his second litter that's about two weeks behind. So those ones would be pretty close to being out of my stuff. And then yeah. some of my friends that we all run the same bloodline for the most part. So what is that bloodline, Sean? Um, well, it gridiron at thirty out six. Um, yeah. Jason Prater. He's, he was a football coach in high school, weight room coach. He was another one of the guys that I didn't even know he had beagles until I went to field trials. And then, you know, I'd always seen him at school. So I recognized him at the trial and I got linked up with him. 
but they they uh when i had gotten started they were going up to northern michigan and getting dogs and bringing them down so Mm -hmm. it all stems back to those dogs um they started off from shore acres and it what's popular to say is paycheck even though johnny was a dog that think he ran in the mid to late 70s so he's been gone for a while but a lot of guys have line bred that line and that's I kind see. of what a lot of my stuff goes back to too it's just it's a common phrase to say paycheck bred dogs yeah and it, so he's a, he's a ways back there i say seven it's late 70s he was running then did they uh do they do like they do with the hounds and have chilled semen and store and collect dogs and all that stuff i assume um i mean i don't think they were doing that back then yeah. with him that that is a lot of people are doing that with beagles now but no this was just uh gosh i'll say he's probably i have like my line i have probably five six i think the one female has maybe eight crosses of paycheck but he's he's back in the fifth or sixth generation at this yeah. point yeah when people think of my dogs that's what they tend to think of so well, let's touch on line breeding real quick, Sean, because that's kind of a topic between, you know, us houndsmen and, you know, bird dog guys and stuff like that. There's a lot, some are line breeding, some, some don't, some don't like it. Do you guys do a lot of it or is it mostly outcrosses and the dogs are, you know, cause like in coon hounds, you get one or two popular studs, you know, a nailer, uh, lipper, uh, rat yeah. attack, something like that. Well, you can't help but have those dogs in the pedigree, you know, when they when they sired 5,000 pups like Lipper has, you know, you're going to, you're going to have Lipper in your pedigree. So technically they're line bred, but sometimes it's not on purpose, you know? So. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Um, well, I started doing pedigrees for guys. Actually, I, I got a database. I started doing it myself and then it kind of grew to other people wanting them too. What I found out is a lot of people's dogs are more line bred than they actually realize. Yeah, um, I agree. I think it's the same I've, way I've, with Kunas. Yeah, I've, I've done some pedigrees for guys, and I'll look back in the seventh or eighth generation, and you might see 26 crosses of a dog named Branko's Jack of All Trades, which mm-hmm. was another really popular stud dog back. And I, I don't think people realize that a lot yeah. of times because they don't look that far back now. How much influence you get, uh, I'm not one to speak on that stuff. I'm not a geneticist. I don't know those things. But uh, what, it, what, is, What's your idea of it, though? Because I'm not a geneticist either, but I got my own ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've got my own ideas <laughs> yeah. as well. I believe, you know, concentration, my opinion, concentration helps a little bit with consistency. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys say line breeding can magnify the good and the bad mm-hmm. um it's where you kind of go through things with a fine tooth comb you got to be really selective on what you're breeding why you're breeding it you got to be aware of what you could be bringing out in your pups but that, that goes with any kind of dog i would say yeah. you gotta you gotta really just know your dogs know your lines it takes a lot of experience to kind of know what you're doing or have an idea of what you might get you can't right. just grab two dogs and throw them together necessarily but you talked about uh because i know with us you know we, we it's got to be a pretty good dog on both ends before we're going to raise litter pups good female good male uh good dogs behind them in their pedigree uh you know we want to stack up generations of talent and make sure yeah. that, that our whole pedigree is full of that you know we don't 
we don't do a, a typical a brood female or a, a, something like that. We don't believe in it. But there's a lot of people that do, especially in the coonhound world. You know, they'll take a dog that's bred really well that wasn't the best coon dog, and it's always a female. You never hear of a brood male, but uh, yeah, <laughs> they'll take a female and they'll and they'll raise a litter of pups out of her. And don't get me wrong, some of those have produced outstanding dogs, but. My idea on that has always been, what are those dogs going to produce? Because the traits that make that female less desirable are in there. And eventually, down the line in the pedigree, that's going to come out. That's yeah, always That's always been my theory on it. And you guys are trying to do the same thing, I'm guessing, breeding good dog to good dog? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the reason I've gone with line breeding is because it's, it's a family of dogs that I've been exposed to for a while. Right, I right. know those dogs. I can I can look at my pups. I can look at you know other pups out of those lines, and I can identify traits that those pups are displaying. Either whether it's physical or performance wise, like oh you know that might go back to Jason Prater's old Sadie dog, or this mm-hmm. this could go back to Blitz, or this could go back to this dog. This is or this is a common trait that one of those dogs might have thrown. Yeah. You know, so for me it, it's more or less been for consistency and and just knowing what i'm getting it's it's always been a tough family of dogs that competes well it, it consistently reproduces and to me i think that's kind of your stamp is if you're going to be breeding dogs is how consistent can your litters be right i agree you know you, you you'll get some that are better but i've been pretty lucky to at least get good solid rabbit dogs um i'm not going to say it's just this line of dogs that does it but this is a line of dogs that will do it and that's kind of what you want to stick with you know even if you're not line breeding you're outcrossing you want to look back to the parents well what did the parents litter mates do this is actually conversation me and mitch gold have a lot about yeah you know not just the parents but the parents litter mates the the grandparents how consistent are those dogs and you want to try and stack all those ingredients together as much to get the consistency that you want right i agree and that's same thing we try to do and i think like you said it's applicable to nearly every sporting dog breed right yeah absolutely that's just dogs in general right. i do believe what uh I, I, go ahead go ahead oh i was going to say i feel beagles you know i i told you before i've I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts you Mm -hmm. guys talk about breeding coon dogs and and consistencies and coon dogs and stuff i i feel like the if you start off with a good line of beagles you're gonna have good results you know yeah whether you're looking i just i don't know i i think that the beagles are just genetically been bred for so long to do a specific job that it's it's hardwired into most beagles you're going to get it's it's more of a matter of how much time you want to put into the dog to get the results you're looking for we've had a beagle running loose on the farm or at my house for and they're not bred great or they're not this or that and you know we'll we'll get i love hearing hounds run and i like using them to start coon dog pups Uh, right and so up until 10 years ago i usually had a beagle running around out here in the yard and i would have just a beagle and i would just turn it loose and it is going to eventually strike and run rabbits all day long (laughs) with no with no help (laughs) with no help from me with no help from anything other than what is wired in its dna that dog is going to start striking and trailing rabbits. i mean they just they just do it right yeah that's that's a lot of you know 
beagles in specific you know yeah, yeah. my first dog came from the dog pound and she exactly. ended up being a dog that i could go out and kill rabbits with on a yeah. reliable basis, yeah and it, they remind me of, of labrador retrievers those dogs are going to go get stuff and bring it to you yeah they're gonna absolutely they can't help gonna, it. yep so yeah, you guys have done, you know, the Beagle forefathers have done a fantastic job in uh, in breeding those animals. So I mean, it yeah, it's just one hundred percent natural. It seems like, you know, of course, there's a lot of nuances when you're looking to compete with something. You there know, is, yeah, there is. That's when you start going through with the fine tooth comb. Right. But you know, to piggyback off what you said, the the Beagle forefathers, and to me, that's why line breeding works. Is just piggyback off of the work that other breeders have dedicated so much time to yeah. you don't have to reinvent the wheel you know so yeah. always always use another another good breeder's work to help improve what you want in your kennel that's kind of my philosophy so what are some of the traits that you're looking for in your kennel sean hmm. well mine are a little different i guess a lot of guys when you ask them that question will say oh you know hunt's got to be number one for me it's desire i yeah. think dogs desire to chase to smell and to chase and to seek out game um i think your hunt comes from that i think a lot of your intensity comes from that kind of stuff but i want i want a dog with desire and then heart to just not quit the kind of dog i want is the dog that's still running when my buddy's dogs are laying underneath the truck yeah that's to me that's a good dog um that's pretty much what i look for um so that's brains. that's that's the must-have and that's yeah not, that's, that's, that's not that's something you can slide with have. yeah yeah desire and heart the dog the, if a dog's got brains everything else tends to kind of come together whether it's beagles i'm sure it's probably the same in coon dogs mm -hmm. you know a dog a dog that wants to please you you teach that dog which direction it needs to go what it's supposed to be after and then it'll figure out that it's pleasing you when it does that job as well. Yeah. So, I've always said a good dog is a dog that pleases the person who feeds it. That's pretty much the basic, simple truth of it. You know, the dog's only got to got to please the the person who owns it. Yeah. But to me, those are the things I look for. That's what's going to please me. And so you said you just got your first litter off your male dog. Uh, I assume he's got quite a few of the traits that you want and like, and you're going to pass that on? Uh, well, we can talk about him for a little bit. Yeah, cause go he's, ahead. I want to hear about him. Um, yeah, no, I got this dog. He actually lives in the house. My old falcon dog, he passed away last summer. And Wilbur was given to me by Frank Miller. Frank, uh, he's a dog I was running a dog that Delbert Herb and I owned together named Zinc. Mm -hmm. I was running him in a lot of PKC and Plum Creek hunts. And Zinc and Wilbur were drawn out against each other just about every weekend, you know, and it could go one way or the other. It just yeah. depended. Those two dogs were battling back and forth. I told Frank, Frank Miller, he lives down in Southern Ohio. He's got a line, another popular line called Fox Creek yeah. Eagles. Um, Frank's a really good guy. I like Frank a lot, but he called me up one day, basically long story short. And he said, if you want this Wilbur dog, come get him. The price is right. He's free. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a pretty I good said, deal. Are you sure? Yeah. I said, are you sure? He's like, yeah, absolutely. He said, this dog and I, we just don't mesh. He needs a new perspective and I need one too. He said, yeah. so if you want him, come get him. 
So I came and got him. I, I, I was at his house in 45 minutes. Like, yeah. <laughs> bet. You know, because, you know, he's, <laughs> but he's the dog that has actually kind of changed my perspective on a few things. You know, a lot of guys, when they think of the Northern Michigan hairline, they think of a big nose dog. And I'm not saying that they're not, but this dog, he's a Southern Ohio bred dog, you yeah. know, out of cottontail lines, not a lot of hair breeding in him. If you go back far enough, it all goes back to Branco stuff. But it's a good ways back at this point. Mm-hmm. This dog has got probably the best nose of any dog I've ever ran. And nose is a hard thing to judge in beagles. It takes a lot of time to realize it. Yeah. But this tough winter we had with a lot of ice and stuff, he was the only dog I had that could consistently circle rabbits and put rabbits in front of me. Um, he's a faster style dog, which that's what the Fox Creek dogs are known for. He, You know, he's... What you would call a little pack style dog. He's going to swing out big. He's going to get big checks. He's going to grab him. He's going to run away from the pack. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he is. That doesn't suit everybody, but it, he works for me because he's still, he's still accountable for his game. He yeah. still shows you. And that's, at the end of the day, that's the ultimate goal. Can a dog show you the rabbit, whether you're competing or rabbit hunting or anything else? Um, but no, he's kind of, he's shown me a lot of things. I like his nose power. His athleticism, I might go out and run, you know, and you watch your mileage on your dogs. If my other dogs have 18 miles on them, he's got 22. Really? He just, the the hustle of this dog, and that makes him what he is. His nose power and his work ethic. He's always working. Um, You know, that nose helps him out with his jump. He's not the hardest hunting dog. He jumps a lot. He jumps plenty of rabbits, his fair share of rabbits, but his anything he lacks he can make up for it in nose power yeah so he can i've watched him jump rabbits that other dogs didn't know were there and he's he's an impressive dog so i know because dog switching handlers and handler switching dogs has been that's a big deal in our sport too i mean some dogs and handlers don't get along and the dog needs a switch and the handler needs a switch and i know from personal experience when someone calls and has a dog that you like like wilbur and says they're mad at him that's a perfect time to go get them <laughs> yeah well, you, you want to hustle you want to hustle down there before they change their mind <laughs> yeah that's exactly what i did and yeah. you know I, I i i i think i ended up giving frank like five dollars for the dog because yeah. i felt yeah. you know wanted to give frank, you something that's the kind yeah. of guy he is you know the dog was three years old when i three years old when I got him and Frank's not going to hold on to a dog for three years. It isn't something, right, you know, right. It just turned out that, you know, and that's exactly what he said. Sometimes a dog and a handler, different handlers can mesh with the dog a little better. And that was specifically what he said. He said, Wilbur needs a fresh perspective. So yeah. No, it's I good. brought him it's home good for the dog too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I brought him home that night and, uh, brought him in the house to show him to my girlfriend and, and our kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she, you know, my girlfriend Charlotte fell in love with him, so he's he's been in the house ever since. He hasn't really? even made it out to the kennel. So. Really, that sounds like Wilbert got a pretty good deal out of it. Yeah, he got a good deal. <laughs> I got a good deal, and and Frank seems to be okay with it too. Yeah. So. yeah. Have you competed quite a bit with Wilbur? Uh, I have. I've had him. I think I got him in April of 2021. Uh, he's got. Gosh, he's got all kinds of places in Little Pack. He's been in several winners' packs. Uh, he needs a first place in Little Pack to finish. He's yeah. got, I think, three second places. 
And in little pack, you win your cast, you advance. It's yeah. all advanced. It's not like PKC where you win your cast, get paid out, and if you guys decide to split, you split, and right. you go home. Little pack is like an elimination style. So yeah. there's so been it, a couple packs in little pack where I'm like, man, he's got to win, he's got to win. The judge comes back, and I miss it by a check. And I'm like, God, what? But he'll get there. He'll get his first in that. He yeah. needs one more cast win to make PKC champion. Uh, he's like $42 short right. for PKC champion. And he just made UKC hunting beagle champion this weekend, actually, at our home club, Tri-Valley Beagle Club. Well, good. So oh. Wilbur's doing some damage then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You good. know, you win some, you lose some, but he's he's being pretty consistent across all three formats. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's what I look for. That's the kind of dog I want. So what uh, you said, you got some young dogs on the ground. You got some puppies coming. I want to kind of just touch on real quick uh, your process for starting a puppy, because I know you've, I know you shot, I know you started quite a few. Uh, you got Wilbur as an older dog, but you've also raised quite a few pups and hunted them, you know, through adulthood. So what's the? Do you have like a uh, process you go through? You kind of vary it towards the dog or how do you go about getting your puppy started and going and ready for competition? Well, I've done just about everything, to be honest. I've yeah. started on myself. I've started on with other dogs. I've used starting pins. Um, but the one thing that somebody told me that kind of changed the way I do things is a fellow named Donnie Yant from up in Michigan. Uh, he's a guy that's been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. He's got a really nice pin. He started a lot of dogs for me over the years. But he told me, because I used to start him at four or five months old. Yeah. But they're not really big enough to keep up with your dogs at that point. So then you're in a, you know, contradicting point where you've got to mess with the started pup or leave it laid up or take your big dogs out and run them. Yeah. So he told me, you know, he doesn't start a pup until seven or eight months old. So that's what I started doing. Let a puppy be a puppy, mm-hmm. spend time with it. You know, the the girls are actually out in the front yard playing with the Wilbur pup right now. Yeah. So that's, that's my process. I let them be a puppy seven, eight months old. Once they're big enough to keep up with the other dogs, I'll typically send them to a starting pen. Yeah. Get them back and then start working them in with, you know, some of your less strong dogs. A good puppy trainer in Beagles is priceless. Really? I can tell you. Just a medium speed dog that yeah. works close, that you can work in the brush piles, you know, something that works with you that won't lose the puppy. The puppy can stick with it and let that dog show at the ropes. That's about the best way, in my opinion. Now, you can ask 20 people and get 20 different answers on that question, yeah. but that's the system that works for me. What, uh, what you, do you have a pretty good pup starter right now? I don't. That's yeah. the one thing right now i wish i did i did years ago i bought him off of my buddy jason prater uh dog named blaze man he trained oh i want to say at least eight or nine champion dogs for us really? as puppies yeah he's just he's just an old rabbit dog that you t- he was a performance pack champion in ukc yeah but just that dog that you could get into a brush pile jump a rabbit and show those puppies how to do it the puppy yeah. could get ahead of them make some mistakes he'd hang back and fix it keep the rabbit going yeah what uh when you're hunting the, when you're starting the pups and say they're seven eight months old and you're you're taking them out with uh with a with a good pup trainer or whatever and or you get them just back from a pen and you're starting to turn them loose with maybe some of your stronger dogs are there any 
like little things that you notice real early on in that pup that you're like, oh yeah, I think I got something here. Or is it kind of a long feeling out process to see if it's something you're going to want to compete with and you know, eventually, you know? Uh, for me, I usually don't make a decision on a dog until it's about a year and a half old, Yeah, you know? So when I get puppies, it's typically, it's a long-term commitment, you mm-hmm. know? Um, there's plenty of days that they make you mad and then, Sometimes it might be nothing, but it makes you mad. I had a dog named Falcon um, that I co-owned with a buddy of mine, Mark Murray. I got him as a six-month-old started puppy, and I hated that dog for the first (laughs) year and a half of life. He was just a dog in the pack. You know, he would pack up, he would run, he never jumped a rabbit, he never picked up a check, never really contributed much. Yeah. And uh, but I really liked the way he was bred. So I stuck with him and I'd, I'd call Mark and I'd tell Mark, man, this dog, we just need to get rid of him. He's not any good. You know, Mark would say, oh, just give him a little more time. You know, yeah. Mark's not the one fooling with him. I was. So yeah, it's a little, it's a little easier to do, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but you know, he ended up being right. I, uh, I sent him back to another pen. It was a larger pen. And I told the guy, I said, I don't care how much you're running. I just want him to get some solo time because yeah. I didn't necessarily to waste my time soloing him yeah because i didn't really believe in him but i didn't mind paying a little bit of money to let somebody else do it yeah so i said you know just throw him in your pen in the afternoons when you take the other dogs out for an hour or two a day or whatever he did i got him back i took him out um took him out by himself to see what he would do i was actually walking along and i could see a rabbit sitting in a brush pile so i worked him up there got him to work that area he saw that rabbit took off and it was, he might have clutched in that guy's pen, but for me, that day with him, that was like the clicking point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I've got a dog I can work with here. So, and I went on to have a lot of success with him as a, you know, a competition dog as well. When you talk about soloing, but, is that is that pretty important? Is that an important step in, in getting those dogs ready, you know, taking them out by themselves? Oh, you got to know your dog. Yeah. For that, you know, that's, that's dog specific. Um, I'd say 95% of the time, yes. You do get those dogs that just every once in a while that don't really need solo time. They just figure it out. But for most of your dogs, that can be the difference between a good dog and a great dog. It's just giving them some solo time. They learn how to do everything themselves, you know. Other dogs in a pack, a lot of them, they'll start to create a crutch. You know, they'll Mm. depend on other dogs to do things for them, so... The more time you can put into it, the more solo time. Most of the time, that's what makes the difference in a dog. And you want you want your dogs to be in that pack, you know, at a, at a hunt, I assume. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like, you know, I hear you guys talking about coon dogs, how you want them all yeah. independent. You know, independence is good for hunting, cause it, but you're either going to be a zero or a hero. You're yeah. going to be first strike or you're going to be last strike, yeah. you know. But when you've got a good jump dog, that you can rely on you want him to be independent because you know he's going to go find a rabbit right you know um, but that, that's a gamble you kind of play when you're doing ukc and pkc as far as it's either going to pay out big or it's really going to hurt you when you uh do, do these dogs babble any do they do they lose spark trying trying to steal them strike point um because that's a big babbling, that's a big deal in ours you yeah you don't <laughs> yeah that's again you could talk to a few different guys and get answers 
for me, babbling's a, and most guys I know, babbling is a big fault. Yeah. You know, yeah. there are dogs, and that's if you wanted to really sit down and dissect the rules, and a lot of guys will agree with this. There are dogs that get first strike a lot of times that don't necessarily deserve it. They'll yeah. get saved. Yeah. So it's one of those things that can work out for your favor, but I don't know anybody that specifically wants a babbling dog. Yeah. That's that's a big fault. So we're not a big fan of them, but we've got there's tons of guys that just you know they want that dog to bark from the time you turn it loose until the time you snap a leash back on it and. Yeah, you know, you're we good. like to put those dogs back in the truck as quick as we yes, can. Yes, I do too. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't like listening to it, but you know, and it is it, and it's not as big a big of an advantage in our sport as people perceive it to be. You know, we beat right. we beat babblers all the time. Babblers beat us all the time. It happens. Uh, yeah. In the end, you treat you have to treat an extra coon, which is not a big deal. You know, if I'm if I can't treat one more coon than everything else that I got out there, I shouldn't win anyway. And right. so, you know, it's, it's not a huge deal, but it is, there's a lot of guys that when they go to shop around for a new dog or they go to raise a pup or they do something like that, they want something that barks and barks a lot. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that's, you run into that at hunts. I think it drives a lot of guys crazy. The guy who's winning, you know, he might enjoy it, but yeah, most of us nuts. So that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sean, uh, I don't have anything else right offhand for you. Is there anything you want to mention before we uh, shut this off? <sighs> no, I mean, I just want to tell you good work on the podcast stuff. You know, Thank I've you. been following Houndsman XP, and I know you're doing Fueled by Joy, and I, I spoke to you. I've been interested in getting something like this going for Beagles in the competition Beagle yeah. world. I've seen I've been paying attention to how much the coon dogs have grown in the past few years. Yeah, and, and I think you know, I think Beagles are – because it's a fantastic sport. I mean, it is. they are fun. Them little rockets are a blast to watch. They're a blast to, you get to do it in the daytime, which is awesome. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. it's a yep. fun, it, it is a very fun sport. And it's a very good uh, sport for kids, older adults, the whole works, the whole family can go out and do it, you know. And the dogs are, are pretty easily available, you know, as far as just getting started and things like that. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of beagles. And I think a beagle podcast or something that focuses on competing and raising and stuff like that with just beagles with with you behind the mic would be a good one sean yeah we'll, we'll see well, yeah. i've been talking to some guys and we've been talking about putting something together well so. that's good i hope you guys do i'll i'll definitely subscribe and listen and uh yeah it'd be it'd be good because you know i don't i'm I don't think you can have too much content out there. You know, everybody everybody can soak it up and get it, and if they don't want it, that's fine too. It's still fun to make. So right, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the worst comes to but, worst, you get to sit around and talk about beagles for you know a half yeah, hour to yeah, an hour. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's easy to do too. Yeah. Like I said, it, it's been about an hour, and I feel like it's flown by already. That's so. right. That's right. So, <laughs> no, I sure appreciate you sitting down with me, Sean. We're going to do this again sometime. That was fun. And I got, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I got a million Absolutely. other questions. Maybe I get out to Ohio one of these days. I'll let I'll get to uh, see you turn your dogs loose. It'll be fun. Yeah, that'd be great. Hopefully they look good today. We do. Well, <laughs> I, I wouldn't know if they did or didn't. You'd have to tell yeah. me. <laughs> so, All right. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Josh. I all right. It. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate you sitting down with me and uh, keep doing what you're doing, buddy. Thank you. You have all a good day. Right. Thanks, Sean. Although she'll never eat
Shaggy, the mouth full of bravery and guts And always at my feet Her ribs are showing her howl is long But she refuses to die Maggie will live 100 years longer than I Some bone that she buried Maggie the mud Don't get scars Only cut She loves me And will not share me Oh she loves me And will not share me Ever share me